You got your Bibles with you this morning. I'm going to have you turn to Romans chapter 9. In Romans chapter 9 this morning, um, we're going to look at uh, uh, the words of the Apostle Paul. that in in a little bit. Um, Romans chapter 9, the Apostle Paul writes something very profound here. And uh, as we listen to his words, I want us to consider that uh, it should be the words of every one of us in the situation just as you just heard. When we take prayer serious, when we recognize the power that we have when we speak to the Lord, the way that we can change lives. Phil and I have been conversing back and forth this week about what God's been doing. Started Sunday after he shared with me about his response to who's your one and it's been incredible how God is already at work already been working and just when we commit to get on God's side he reveals what he's already been doing and that's what he's been doing for brother Phil this week let's stand together as we honor the Lord as we Hear what he has to say to us. We're going to look at Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, and then I'm going to flip over to Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. Romans chapter 9, verse 1, it says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the convents or the covenants of and the giving of the law, and service of God in the promises. Whose are the fathers, and of whom are as concerning the flesh Christ came? who is over all, God bless forever. Amen. Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God 
for Israel as they might be saved. Father, you've already heard the special little prayer from Carlin. It can't be beat. She prayed for her family, and then she prayed for the world, just as Paul has told us to do. So, Father, speak. Holy Spirit, do your work so that we could understand the power that we yield when we pray and what we can expect to see for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Back up if you would. Last week, I introduced to you the theme, um, Who's Your One? We talked about the fact that we this year will be focusing on two aspects of who is your one, two different people per se. One that is, is in need of evangelism, meaning that they need the Lord Jesus to be their Savior. Someone that you know that doesn't have a relationship with Christ, that's not walking hand in hand, does not have the assurance that if they were to die today, they will go to heaven. I was at the hospital last night. Standing over a man. Who knows? He's got hours left to live. And wanting to make sure, I've known this man for 15 or so years, we've had many, many spiritual conversations over the years. I told him, You're at the end. You need to make sure that you know for sure where you're going to spend eternity. And in sharing the gospel with him again, he assured me that he is right. That God, he has put his trust in what God did on Calvary's cross. The redemption that he gets from that, the forgiveness of sin, because eternity is in the balance. Where he's going to spend eternity is in the balance of every one of our lives. It's that important. And over the years, I've tried to encourage him, to disciple him, to, to make sure that if you are saved, that you're walking with the Lord. And we need to understand, there are those out there that need Jesus, and there are those that need somebody to walk alongside them now that they've found Jesus. And this year, 
I believe that's what God is calling us as a church to do. On a regular basis, there is typically 200 and some of us that come to church on a given Sunday. Can you imagine if 200 and some of us go out and share the gospel with somebody and they come to know Christ? We can double the, the, the number of folks within our congregation, but even if they don't come to church here, we have added to the kingdom of God. It's not about adding to our numbers, it's about adding to His numbers. It's about adding to His kingdom. But then again, there are those who, who don't know how or to live this life, don't know how to live a Christian life, don't know how to be faithful followers of Christ. And you may have the opportunity to be able to come alongside someone and walk with them and say, let me just share Scripture with you. Let me pray for you and with you on a regular basis that might help them to grow stronger in Christ, that they might be willing to go out and tell others what Christ has done for them. That's our job this year. That's my, my mission for you this year. That's the mission that God has given to us. We talked about how that it plays right into our new mission and vision statement, building the church of tomorrow today through fervent prayer, evangelism, discipleship, and family ministry. We're going to talk about that again this morning. But what I want you to see is today, as you go to the next slide, how to pray for your one. Now, perhaps you have figured out who that is. Perhaps you haven't yet. So let me point us back to what the Apostle Paul said here in these two passages of Scripture as he was praying for the lost. He said that if I could, I would give up my own salvation for the salvation of all of Israel. And then he prayed in verse 10 that... All, none would be lost, but that they might be saved. Paul, who was once called Saul, knew what it meant to be lost or unbelieving. And as he wrote his passage of Scripture here in Romans chapter 9 and chapter 10, he knew what it meant to become a believer in Christ and what it did for his life, and he wanted that same thing in the lives of those that he knew, and those of whom he belonged to. And as he wrote to the Philippians, he knew that everything that in his former life, before he became a believer in Christ, was rubbish. His testimony of prayer for the Jewish brothers and sisters is very helpful for you and I in formulating a plan to pray for the lost and for us to name who's your one. Everyone should have a who's your one card that is willing to take the responsibility or take the privilege of being a part of praying for somebody. I want everybody to have that privilege. It's that important. For the truth is that every one of us knows somebody that's lost. 
Now we may not know right at this moment, maybe we're not sure just who that one person is that we need to commit to pray for, but I want you to know my prayer is that by the end of the service that you'll hold that card and, and God will give you a name to put on that card. We must let the Holy Spirit guide who that is. This could be and most likely will be a loved one. But it could also be a leader, a co-worker, a neighbor. It could be a classmate. It could be an acquaintance. Or it could be the next person that God puts in your path. Who is that one? So I'm going to ask you to do something for me right now. If you know who that one is, and you've already written down on your card who it is, or if you have a pen and you want to do that, would you come right now and and pin your card on the cross with me?